but it's been a while since we've been back here. Um, so it might take a minute for you guys to remember the last time we were here at Formation. Um, but do you guys remember how many words we got about God giving us a missionary call about going out and sharing the gospel? Do you all remember that? Um, and I've been praying with that. And yeah, we have experienced a new call to mission after Fan into Flame. We have heard from the Lord that he is leading us in a renewal of our missionary zeal. Um, and we have seen that all of you are capable and hungry to receive more of the Holy Spirit and to communicate this life that we have received from God, this joy that we have received from the Lord to the corners of campus. This is the call that we have received. And maybe you don't remember, <laughs> Um, but maybe some of us are there. We're like riding this wave from fan into flame. We received a new outpouring of the Holy Spirit in a really tangible way. We're very close to the Lord, and we're like, yeah, to the ends of the earth, to the corners of campus, like, let's share this joy. Let's proclaim the gospel. Um, but maybe for some of you, <laughs> I say the word mission, and you might get a little bit tense or angry or roll your eyes like mission again, um, you get a feeling of staleness, that mission's kind of old, been there, done that. Mission's forced. Mission is exhausting. But I think the Lord tonight desires to refresh our perspective of what it means to share the good news. I think he wants to free us from carrying our own burden of mission and to accept his yoke, which is easy and light. Because ultimately, there are challenges in living a life of mission. It is hard. It's a difficult call. Um, but if we think that it's not fun at all, or it's too hard to do, then we are doing something very wrong. <laughs> because sharing the gospel should be joyful, the joy of the gospel, right? And so we've also received this promise of joy. Do you remember that? This word of joy. God wants to give us an outpouring of joy. So why joy? Why does God want to give us this joy? How do we receive this joy? The joy is the joy of the gospel. And the gospel is this. Jesus Christ loves you. He gave his life to save you. And now he is living at your side every day to enlighten, strengthen, and free you. I'm going to say it again. Jesus Christ loves you. He gave his life to save you, and now, right now, he is at your side to enlighten you, to strengthen you, and to free you. This gospel is the beauty of the saving love of God made manifest in Jesus Christ, Jesus who died and rose from the dead. And when we encounter Jesus, the joy of this gospel message fills our hearts and our lives. When we accept this offer of salvation from our Lord, when we let him free us from sin and sorrow and inner emptiness and loneliness, this joy from Christ is constantly born anew. Um, I'm going to pause because I forgot to say something at the beginning. Um, so I intentionally didn't give you guys an outline tonight because, um, yeah, I, I want you to let the Lord be your teacher as I speak, um, to let the Holy Spirit guide you and Whatever he puts on your heart um, through the words that I'm sharing, I want you to write those down, not the words that I think are important, 
So, all right. Resuming. Um, <laughs> we are filled with joy when we truly understand what God has done for us. When we truly understand this gospel message, this joy of Christ is poured out into our hearts. Um, the gospel is good news. Do we actually understand this? Like, I know we probably have heard it a lot, but do we really understand this message? Do we understand what Jesus did for us personally? The Catechism says, by giving his own son for our sins, God manifests that his plan for us is one of benevolent love prior to any merit on our part. And in this is love, not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the expiation for our sins. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness. He has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Jesus has given us our redemption. Jesus has forgiven our sins. And not only that, not only have we been rescued from darkness and death, but we have been given his very life inside of us. Jesus has given us his very life through the Holy Spirit. He has given us brothers and sisters to run with. He has given us the sacraments. We have examples through the saints. We have everything available to us. God has given us everything. And this should fill us with great joy when we recognize this. The Old and the New Testament speak of this joy that God offers us like throughout all of the scripture. And so maybe we're in a spot still where we say, I've heard this before. I've heard this gospel message. But I want to challenge you and say, we actually have barely scratched the surface of the joy that God has to offer to us. It is better than we currently imagine, this joy that he wants to give us. And so I ask you, do, you, do we know what the gospel means for us individually? Do I understand in the context of my own life how God has saved me from my sins? Do I see that God has saved me from affliction, that he has brought me out of darkness? Do I see and believe that he is doing that even now? Because the more that I understand this, the more that I let this truth penetrate my heart, I experience a deeper joy, a joy that endures. I don't even know how to explain it any further, to be honest, like this joy, um, because it goes beyond our natural understanding. But this joy is not just a nice anecdote. It's not just like something nice to console us in troubling times, like, oh, the joy of Christ, thank you. Listen with new ears, because this is what our hearts are made for. Pope Francis says, we have a treasure of life and love which cannot deceive and a message which cannot lead or disappoint. This is the gospel. It penetrates to the depths of our heart, sustaining and ennobling us. It is a truth which is never out of date because it reaches that part of us which nothing else can reach, even now. Our infinite sadness is only cured by God's infinite love. Brothers and sisters, we are witnesses to the saving love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Have we seen the saving power of Christ in our own lives? Yes? Yes. yes? 
This love gives strength to our lives. It gives meaning to our lives. I hope you know in your heart, and I hope you believe that it is not the same to live without him. I hope that you have come to realize that God is our source of hope, that he is our source of joy, that living a life with Jesus is so much richer. Living a life with Jesus makes it easier to find meaning in everything that we do. And when we experience this truth, when we realize it for ourselves, our lives are changed. We experience a conversion of heart. Our hearts are softened. Our hearts are changed. We are liberated from our narrowness of mind, from self-absorption. God brings us into the fullness of being that he designed for us. This is the joy of the gospel. And as I was praying about this, um, a fear was placed on my heart. I have a fear that some of us have actually never fully realized this love, that we have kind of put a stop on God and we have not let it into our hearts to change everything. We've heard this message, but like John said, we've never actually let it take root in our heart. It's as if the life-saving water of God was like poured over us and then dried away instead of poured into us. We never let it change us. And I, I also fear that some of us have forgotten this. I have. As I was preparing this talk, I had to repent to the Lord. Like, God, I have fallen asleep. I have forgotten that you have saved me. <clears throat> we have grown accustomed to this message of the gospel. We're surrounded by it. And its joy has lost its prominence, its potency in our lives. We've forgotten that the gospel actually responds to our deepest need. Because we were created for this love which the gospel offers us. We were created for this friendship with Jesus Christ. For this friendship and love with our brothers and sisters. And we forget because we get caught up in busyness. We forget because we seek to control our life and how it turns out. We get distracted by the limitless possibilities and all the things that we can consume in our society, we get distracted, and then we succumb to a lifestyle that's self-centered. My life is about me. And Pope Francis also talks about this. He says, the great danger in today's world, pervaded as it is by consumerism, is the desolation and anguish born of a complacent yet covetous heart. The feverish pursuit of frivolous pleasures, and a blunted conscience. Whenever our interior life becomes caught up in its own interests and concerns, there is no longer room for others, no place for the poor. God's voice is no longer heard. The quiet joy of his love is no longer felt, and the desire to do good fades. And I, I want to point this out. The desire to do good fades this isn't like an active choice to like shut out the gospel from our life. But when we become immune to the effect of the gospel in our heart, this desire to do good fades away. We may not choose against it. It fades away. 
And this is a very real danger for us. Believers, people who are following after Christ, this is a danger for us. Many fall prey to it, and then we end up resentful, angry, and listless. And this, brothers and sisters, is no way to live a dignified and fulfilled life. This is not God's will for us, to live a life that is listless, to live a life that is resentful or angry. Nor is this life in the spirit. And so I want us to pause and ask, is this me? Like, check your heart right now. Is this me? It's been a long year. And like I said, I was praying with this talk and I realized, like, man, the past two months, I have been consumed with my life. I have been caught up in my decisions. I have been caught up in where is my life going? What about me? And there was no room for the women in my house. There was no room for the women in my life for this community, because I was so focused on me. Is this you? And if it is, even if it's not, I beg you, let us encounter the Lord again. I invite you to this very moment to a renewed encounter with Jesus, an openness to letting him encounter you. And not to do this just once, but to do this unfailingly every single day. And none of you should think that this invitation is not meant for you. Because no one is excluded from the joy that is brought by the Lord. No one. This is for you. And so how do we encounter the Lord again? What do we do? It's Lent. Let's take up our fasting Take up our Lenten sacrifices. Allow these things to purify us from our attachments to the world. Allow these things to help us recognize our deep need for God, our hunger for him. Let's pray. Go to adoration. Be in the presence of Jesus. Encounter his word in scripture. Have sincere and honest conversations with the Lord. Because if we don't do this, then our work easily becomes meaningless and we lose energy, we become weary because of difficulties, our fervor dies out. And again, this is not the life that God has for us. We can ask the Holy Spirit again to come and fill our hearts with this joy. We can ask the Holy Spirit to come again and fill our hearts with this love. And brothers and sisters, we have been given this call to mission, but our call to mission begins here. This gospel message, rooted deeply in our hearts, must be the foundation of our life. It must be the foundation of our life personally, our life together, and our life on mission. Because mission, true mission, and evangelization flows from an encounter with the Lord. So we must personally encounter him again and again. We need to recognize that I need him just as much, if not more, than the people that I am serving. I need God more. And so this is the gospel message, this one of joy that God has saved us, that he has given us everything that we need. And this love of Jesus which we have received is the primary reason for evangelizing 
We have experienced the salvation which urges us on to an even greater love. And I always think Francis the other day, or like a couple months ago, was telling the story about how she used to love to do Zumba. Where are you? And how she just like, I think about it all the time. She like loved to do Zumba and then she would go home and do Zumba with her friends or her dorm roommates and then go to her house and do it with her siblings. And it was like, she loved it so much that it just like flowed (laughs) from her. And I think like, what if we loved Jesus this way? Like, what if we loved Jesus this way? Because what kind of love would not feel the need to speak about the beloved? What kind of love would not point him out, would not want to share him with everyone, would not want to make him known? And whenever we encounter this love again, we become convinced that this is exactly what others need. This is exactly what they need. I think about Kevin's testimony. I think about my own testimony After I experienced the Lord in a powerful way and had a deeper conversion of heart, I remember walking around campus, and I, (laughs) not in the most, I don't know, pastoral, thank you, pastoral way, I was just like, you need to know Jesus. He's the one who will save you. But I knew, like, this is what my heart was made for. This is what all of our hearts were made for. It was a deeper knowledge. Even though they may not recognize it, this is what they need. And again, we know that with Jesus, our life has become richer. With him, it is easier to find meaning. But this conviction must be sustained by our own constant, renewed experience of Christ's friendship, of a renewed experience of his message of love. Because it's impossible to persevere in a fervent evangelization unless we are convinced from our own personal experience, that it is not the same thing to have known Jesus as to not know him. This is Pope Francis. Not the same thing to walk with him as to walk blindly. Not the same thing as to hear his word as to not know it. Not the same as to contemplate him, to worship him, to find our peace in him as to not to. It is not the same thing to build the world with his gospel as to try to do so on our own. We must run to the Lord. We must beg him to encounter us again. And so if receiving this love of Jesus, this is why we preach the gospel, how are we called to preach the gospel? And so like I said, when we encounter Jesus and experience this conversion of heart, the natural response is also to change our life, to experience a conversion of life. And so we are called to proclaim the good news, not just with our words, but by a life transfigured by God's presence. That's a good word. A life transfigured by God's presence. And I want to make the bold statement that after encountering God's love, our life must look different. It must. If we are to proclaim Jesus as Lord of our life, we cannot keep living the same way as we used to. We must make a change. And if we don't, then I honestly wonder if we have actually let God's love take deep root in our heart. Does my life look different than it was before after encountering God's love? Or am I the same with just a nice Catholic bow on it now? Um, And this encounter, this encounter, the apostles, they never forgot the moment 
when Jesus touched their hearts. In the Gospel of John, they say it was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. They remember the exact time when the Lord touched their hearts. And I remember mine. I was a junior in college. My life at that point was spiraling out of control. I was hopeless. I was depressed. I was lonely. And on February 12, 2017, I encountered the Lord's love in a new way that changed me forever. I encountered God's love and mercy (laughs) in a new way. I asked for more of his Holy Spirit, and I was given the power to proclaim Jesus as Lord of my life. And when I was (laughs) driving home from the retreat, I was so overcome by the Lord's love and mercy. Like, I was like a total sinner, and God was so merciful to me. My life was not the ideal Christian life, and God met me there on my knees, and he called me his daughter. And driving home from this retreat, I remember thinking, my life cannot look the same. I must make a change. Jesus is Lord of my life, and I want to live this way. I don't want to go back. And so this was two weeks before my 21st birthday, which at Florida State is like a huge deal. They call it a waltz, um, and it's basically like, like, people have Pinterest boards for this. It's, like, second to a wedding. Like, it's a big deal. There's a theme. You have buttons for your guests so that they know they're a part of your waltz. Everybody dresses up. There's banners. There's, like, themed drinks. It, people spend a lot of money on this, on limos to, like, the bar that you're going to. It's so absurd. And I was planning one. I was planning my 21st birthday waltz. And two weeks before, as I'm driving home from Fan into Flame, I thought, I cannot have this birthday party. And so I canceled it, and I texted all my friends, and I said, yeah, I can't. I have to stop partying. I have to stop living this life. I like, don't want to do this anymore. And that was like the first choice that I made, but it didn't stop there. The Lord invited me to constantly choose him after that. When I was a senior in college, the Lord invited me to choose him instead of my dream and my idol of medical school. The Lord invited me to surrender that to him, to go deeper in relationship with him, to experience another conversion of heart. Last year, the Lord invited me to surrender my pride, to surrender that my mission was my mission, that it was my way, I knew what was best, and to be obedient to him and to where he was calling me. I've heard it told before that if your conversion story was over two years old, it's time for a new one, at least. And I want to invite us tonight, brothers and sisters, it is time for a new conversion story for us. It is time to let the Lord into our hearts to convert us. We need a heart that is surrendered to the Lord. This is a continual decision. This is not a one-time thing. And from this conversion, from this joy of the gospel, comes the fruit of mission. From this relationship with God comes the fruit of mission, because what love could not share of the beloved? And so this is how we are called to be on mission, brothers and sisters, with a transfigured life, a life that is transfigured by him, with the joy of the gospel in our hearts overflowing into everything we do. Because the Lord has taken the initiative. He has loved us first. 
And the gospel invites us to respond to this love, to see the good in others, to see God in others, and to seek their good, to serve them, to love them. Our life, this life that God has given us, grows by being given away. And I want to say, this is from Pope Francis, we cannot passively and calmly wait in our church buildings for people to come to us. We need to move from mere conservation of our body, from our community, into missionary pastoral ministry. We need to go out. We need to tell people of this love that we have experienced. And all of us are asked to obey this call, to go forth from our own comfort zone, to radiate the light and communicate life to the ends of the earth. This is our call. Not just to the people that are easy, not just to the people that are already looking for it, but to the ends of the earth. This is who we are called to share this love with. And we are called to radiate light and communicate life, but our culture is a culture of darkness. And sometimes it can lead us to get caught up in things that take away this light. It can cause an inner weariness. Our culture can lead us to be consumed by things that take away our zeal. And so I want to talk about just a few things that seek to rob our joy, that seek to detach our mission, our missionary zeal from the Lord. And the first is individualism. This causes us to be complacent in mission because we begin to have an inordinate concern for our personal freedom and relaxation. All I care about is my schedule and my time. When am I going to do things so that they happen my way. I'm not flexible. I'm not willing to sacrifice for the sake of community, to be flexible for the sake of mission. And at the same time, our spiritual life becomes identified with a few religious exercises that give us a little bit of comfort every now and then, but they don't actually encourage us to encounter other people. Our spirituality doesn't engage us with the world or give us a passion for evangelization. Mission becomes about me. My life becomes about me. But I want to say that proclaiming the gospel, this is not a box on our to-do list. It is not just a task that God has given us. The second is a crisis of identity. This comes from our media culture primarily. The media comparison, seeing other people, seeing other Christians on social media, I know I struggle with this, gives us this kind of obsession about being like everybody else, possessing what everyone else possesses. So I must be a good missionary if I'm posting all these scriptural reflections on Instagram and sharing all my one-on-ones on my Instagram stories so that people know that I'm actually a missionary, right? Or, wow, her Bible and, like, coffee aesthetic, this is how I should pray. I'm not praying right if I don't pray this way. This comparison stifles our joy. Our work of evangelization becomes forced, and then we desire to devote nothing to it. We don't want to give our time to it. 
And so this causes us to conceal our Christian identity and our convictions or to make them look like everybody else. We become unhappy with who we are and what we do. We don't identify with our mission anymore. And this weakens our commitment to sharing the gospel. And the last is a desire for control. Mm. Yes, yes. At a time, oh, you guys, I have to read this. This kicked me in the butt when I was praying. This is from Pope Francis again. At a time when we most need a missionary dynamism, which will bring salt and light to the world, many lay people fear that they may be asked to undertake some apostolic work, and they seek to avoid any responsibility that may take away from their free time. Yeah. Guys, should I read it again? Yeah, okay. At a time when we most need a missionary dynamism, which will bring salt and light to the world, many lay people fear that they may be asked to undertake some apostolic work, and they seek to avoid any responsibility that may take away from their free time. Guys, this is me. Last semester, I was discerning whether or not I would stay with SPO, and I was like, you know, I don't really want to be stuck there for like five, ten more years. I think I'm done. I like, I have other things that I want to do, these other dreams that I have. Um, it's going to take away from that. Like, this was really fun two years. I'm always going to cherish these memories. But God said, no. I have placed this call on your heart. And you should not seek to avoid this responsibility of this call because it might take away from the things that you want. Because honestly, sometimes God calls us where we don't really want to go. John 21. Yeah. So we have this overbearing need to guard our personal freedom as though the task of evangelization was a dangerous poison rather than a joyful response to God's love. Do we feel as though this task of evangelization is burdensome to us? <coughs> Run to the Lord, brothers and sisters. Beg for the Lord to encounter you again. Do not resist giving yourself over completely to mission because you are afraid of the cost because it is a joyful thing to share God's love. And brothers and sisters, a life of individualism, identity crisis, desire for control, this is not the life that God wants for us. This influence of our culture, this is not what God wants for us. He promises us this great joy, remember? This great joy that it is to experience his love. The gospel is not a chore. And in Acts 20, it says, it is more blessed to give than receive. We do not live better when we flee and hide. We do not live better when we refuse to share the gospel, when we stop giving to others, sacrificing our life, lock ourselves up in our own comforts, in our own plans, such a life is nothing less than a slow suicide. Let us not allow ourselves to be robbed of the joy of the gospel. Let us not allow ourselves to be robbed of this joy. 
And I want to conclude with letting you know that because we have experienced, because we bear witness to Christ's saving work in our life, we have a great responsibility. And if we do not feel an intense desire to share this love, we need to pray insistently that he will once more touch our hearts. We need to implore God's grace daily. Ask him to open our cold hearts to shake up our lukewarm and superficial existence and stand before the Lord with open hearts and allow him to look at us. Allow him to pour his love into our hearts. Because our mission, this mission, this great responsibility, is not an on-off switch. It is not just an appendage to my life, not just something I do, not a badge I can take on and off. It is not extra for living in community. It's not just another moment in my life. It is a way of life. It is something I cannot uproot from my being without destroying myself. I am a mission on this earth, brothers and sisters. You are a mission on this earth of God's love. This is the reason why we are here. And we have to regard ourselves in this way, as sealed for the Lord, branded by him, by this mission, by this call to share his light that he has poured into our lives, this blessing, this enlivening of our lives this raising up, this healing, this freedom. It should disturb us. This, I'll end with this. If something should disturb us at all, it is the fact that so many of our brothers and sisters are living without the strength, without the light and the consolation born of the friendship with Jesus Christ the friendship that we know. They do not have a community of faith to support them like we do. They do not have meaning or goals in their life like we do. And so let us go forth then. Let us go forth to offer everyone the life of Jesus Christ, to encounter him again, to allow him to fill us with love, with zeal, so that we can respond yes to Jesus' request that if we will love him, we will feed his sheep.